0: Thank you so much for joining us today on YouTube. If you haven't already, go ahead and click that subscribe button down below so you can stay up to date with all that Church on the Hill has going on. If you haven't already, also follow us on social media, either Instagram or Facebook, both Church on the Hill and our senior pastor, Pastor Adam McKay. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the message. But I want to take a moment with today's
1: teaching, and I want to go back to those 2,000 years ago, to those three days, that Friday, that Saturday, and that Sunday, Jesus' death, His burial, and His resurrection, that early Sunday morning when the grave was empty. And I want to put ourselves in the shoes. I want to put us in the moment of His disciples. I want you to think for a moment what they had been through, how disruptive this weekend has been, how they are finding themselves now completely void of what they thought was going to happen. A complete disruption. That's what I've titled the message today, Disruption. I want you to think through for a moment as Jesus has been crucified, as he has been buried, I want you to think about the success of, that the religious leaders in that moment thought that they had. Think about the disciples, the followers of Jesus. They're now on the losing team. Think about what's going on in their mind, how they had planned their whole life. These last three years to following in Jesus, and in their concept, the Messiah was going to set up an earthly kingdom that the Romans were going to have to come and bow at his feet that the irreligious, if you will, those who thought that they knew the right way will have been proven wrong, and that the followers of Jesus will have been proven right. but when Jesus is dead on that cross, when they take his body down and they put him in that grave, imagine what's happening to his disciples. They now are the bane of existence. They are now the community outcasts. They have been aligned with what the community now sees as a rebel, what the religious leaders called a false prophet or a false teacher. And they have been alongside of him. And now the Passover is over. It's the first day of the week. And they knew that in times past, they were constantly trying to kill Jesus. They were constantly trying to get rid of him. Now that the leader is gone, who are they going to come after? The disciples probably are pretty sure that they're going to come after him, him, them. The ladies go to the tomb that early morning, as we talked about last week, and the stone has been rolled, rolled away. And an angel tells them that He's risen. Well, they rush back to the collective, to the 11 apostles, because Judas has gone out and killed himself. And they've rushed back and say, hey, We saw an angel. Jesus isn't there. And the angel said, He's resurrected. They didn't believe it. In fact, Peter runs to the tomb and finds that it is empty, but still, he's not sure what's going on. They're not sure what's happening. They're not sure what's going on politically or what's going on behind the scenes. They're in full-on disruption. The plans that they had, they're gone. The plans that they would be vice presidents, that they would all be important positions in his cabinet, that's all over and gone. They have bought into a lie or a farce is probably what they're thinking. And now, These ladies are saying, an angel said, the body's gone. What is going on? And I want to turn your attention to two of Jesus' followers in Luke chapter 24. We're going to read a good bit of scripture today. Is that okay? Give me some clap hands if you're all right with reading the word today. Good, good, good. On the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. We're going to study this for a little bit. And my whole message today is to help you and I recognize that we have to change the way we're thinking in the midst of disruption, because we are living in disruption right now. None of us planned on living the way we're living right now. COVID 19 has thrown things off. That's not, we didn't plan to be homeschooling our kid, or, work, or working double shifts, or being on furlough and not having a paycheck coming in. We didn't plan on what is happening today in our life. Some of us, our positions have been disbanded, and what was our identity is now gone. And who are we? What are we doing? What is life about? We find ourselves, I believe, the same way they found themselves right after Jesus' death. So let's pick up in verse 13 of Luke chapter 24. It says, "...and now the same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem." So Sunday, Jesus has resurrected. They don't really know it. They've heard about it. They don't really believe it. And two of them are taken out. They are taken off. They are heading off to Emmaus, probably where they're from. Uh, Cleopas is the name of one of them. We don't know the other guy's name. Uh, There's no um, records of who Cleopas really is. Some believe that he's Jesus' uncle, the brother of Joseph. But there's no proof in that. We don't even know who they really are. But we know this. They're getting out of dodge. They are putting into place. They are engaging in true social distancing. (laughs) They do not want to be tied in with the collective because those guys are about to all get crucified as well. They're all about to be in prison. And they are basically taking off. Verse 14. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Verse 15, and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked with them. Verse 16, but they were kept from recognizing him. What? They were kept from recognizing Jesus. He's the most famous person in their region right now. I mean he is he is Amer- he is Jerusalem idol. He's been on Jerusalem Idol for the last three weeks. everybody he's been on all the posters. everybody knows who he is. This has been a crazy moment of his crucifixion. Everybody in Jerusalem, millions of people know who he is, not to mention they've been following him. They've sat across the table with him. They've held his hand in prayer. They know who he is and they cannot recognize him. Can I point out something? Sometimes in the midst of disruption, in the midst of discouragement, in the midst of a moment that we didn't expect to be in, we can, very, we can miss the very presence of the Lord who's right there with us. They're walking, and He comes alongside of them. And it says, And they did not even recognize Him. Verse 17, He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. Verse 18, One of them named Cleopas asked Him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? And do you not know the things that have happened there in these days? In verse 19, Jesus says, What things? He asked. <laughs> Jesus is so messy. He's so messy. Oh, I love that. What things? What are you talking about? <laughs> Jesus is saying. He's raised from the dead. And he's saying, what are, you, what are you talking about? What things have been going on? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. What? The prophet is the Messiah, the King of glory. You followed him. You sold out everything else and followed him. You knew he was the Messiah. You saw him raise the dead. You saw him open blind eyes. You saw him tell a storm to cease and be no more. And now you're calling him a prophet? Let me tell you something. There are these moments in our life when we get disrupted that we even forget the faith that we've had. We lose heart. We get Sideswiped, and then we don't know how to act. And they're calling Him a prophet. Verse 21, But we had hoped that He was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. Verse 22, in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. And they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. These guys get so busy complaining that they can't see the miracle standing right in front of them. See, in this midst of disruption that we're in, If we're not careful, we get so busy complaining about what isn't working, what we thought was supposed to be happening right now, what we're having to do now, and we don't have toilet paper, and we're having to stand outside in line at Walmart to even get in the building, and we've got to go find masks. We could get so busy complaining that we miss the presence of the living God standing right there in front of us. This is what's happening. And in verse 25, he said to them, How foolish are you? How foolish are you? How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. See, I'm going to tell you something. We all need a little up, a little spanking, a little rebuking when we get caught up in fear, when we get caught up in complaining and Jesus just smacks them. He just, Wapow! how foolish are you? Don't you even understand? I don't know why he didn't just say, boy, bend over, Wah, wah, wah. You've been following me. You saw me do all these great things. And this is how you, you, you thought he was a prophet. We you, the, the, the girl said something about some angels, but we don't really know. Are you kidding me? And then continuing on verse 26. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? In Verse 27, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He starts teaching them about himself, which he has done over and over again. But he's having to reteach because disruption has thrown them off. I wonder how many of us in the midst of this disruption are being thrown off, is like we used to say. How many of us have gotten so full of complaining and frustration about what we don't have and what we're not doing and what we were expecting 2020 to look like that we have now gotten ourselves in a position we can't even see Him or recognize Him? Verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if He was going to go further. But they urged Him strongly, stay with us. Look at He rebukes them and they enjoy it. Why? Because their hearts are burning within them because God is right there. Even though it doesn't work for their mind, their hearts, they know this is right. Even though they can't justify how the natural realm could be adjusted for a dead person to come back to life. Continuing on, I think we're, they, and so they asked him, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. <laughs> he's gone. So he's, they're sitting at the table, and Jesus says, Give it to me. And he breaks it, he blesses it, and he starts handing it out. the moment he starts providing for them in the natural, their eyes are open to the supernatural. See, sometimes we can't see the supernatural because we're so caught up in the natural. The moment he starts feeding them, the moment he starts touching their hands and handing out the bread and passing the juice and all these kind of things are happening, it says their eyes were open. And then, like Jesus, I love this, he's gone. Let's pick up. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. Why? Didn't they listen to their hearts? Because their brain was saying it couldn't be so. This can't be. Have you ever, have you ever been in a situation where you didn't recognize the person? And, and then and then all of a sudden something is said and you go, oh, wait a minute, your belly, you're so and so skin. Oh my goodness, wait I didn't even, couldn't even see it. This is kind of what they're experiencing because it didn't fit in their brain. Like, I don't know you as a live person. I know you as a dead person. I saw you breathe your last breath. I heard you cry out. I saw the spear get stuck in your side and the and the water mingled with your blood flowed out uh, showing that your heart had burst, that you had died of a broken heart because the blood and the water in your body had mingled because the heart had stopped pumping. I saw that. I saw him take your body and put it in a tomb. So there's no way you can be standing here now. Even though my heart says God's here, my brain says there's no way he can because if he was here, why is this happening? How many of us have said those kind of things? in the last couple weeks. And it says in verse 33, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. So they come running into this space where uh, the eleven is at, and uh, there's some others, uh, obviously an assembled group of people. And Peter has just had an experience where Jesus showed himself to Peter. And so as soon as they walk in, they all start telling these two guys, they say, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to to Simon. Verse 35, then they're like, whoa, whoa, hold on, let us tell you what just happened to us. Then the two of them told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Verse 36, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be to you. Peace be with you. (laughs) He shows back in their midst. I mean, he's just standing there, in the midst of them. As they're like, "Did this happen? I don't know if it's real, but this happened." We just talked to him. He broke the bread. Poof, he's standing there. And his opening statement to them is, "Peace be with you." You know, one of the greatest things we need in the midst of disruptance is peace. See, peace proves that we have faith. Faith not in ourselves, but faith in the Lord our God because we know that no matter what comes our way, COVID-19, furloughs, extra hours, homeschooling kids, we don't even know how to do that. No matter what comes our way, peace is proof that we put our faith and trust in Him knowing that He'll get us through. And then He looks at them in verse 39, excuse me, verse 38, and He says to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? See, this is a mind game. He says, look at my hands and my feet. It's I. It is I, myself. I'm here in front of you. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. I believe that the moment that they find themselves in this Sunday, after his death, burial, and resurrection, is similar to the moment we find ourselves in. Some of us, we never planned on being where we're at right now. This, is, this was not our top 10 things that we wanted to go through in 2020. Some of us, we're not sure where our paycheck is going to come from in the days ahead. Some of us are not sure what we are right now because we have built our whole life around a particular identity and that's been stripped from us through this whole quarantine season. Some of us are finding ourselves wondering why. Why are bad things happening to good people? And our faith is even struggling. And here we are post-Easter. And I think we find ourselves in the United States and really around the world right now during this pandemic in a similar state that the disciples, the followers of Jesus found themselves in. This is not what they signed up for. They thought they were going to be in His cabinet. They thought they were going to be important. They left everything behind because they thought He was the Messiah. And He was. But what they thought the Messiah was going to do Is not what the Messiah was called to do. What you might have thought Christianity was going to be for you may not be exactly what Jesus had in mind. And they're having to learn in real time to embrace the disruption and see God's hand in the midst of it. And so I want to give you a couple thoughts, if you will, three actions that I have learned through these scriptures and I want to share with you. Three actions that we can take during the midst of a disruption. Three actions that we should take in the midst of a disruption. Number one, the first thing is to humble ourselves. This is the first action that we should take. The first thing we should do is humble ourselves. See, pride is not necessarily arrogance all the time. Pride can be associated with not changing when change is needed. Holding on so tight to the past accomplishments or present position that in the midst of disruption, all that's going to do is kill us. We have to humble ourselves and go with what God is doing in the midst. Go with the scenario that's happening and not stand there arrogantly and say, well, I was promised this and I was supposed to be this. And I thought this was going to happen. The book of James, chapter 4 and verse 10 says it like this. Humble yourself before the Lord and He'll lift you up. Humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift you up. You know, the other day I came up here to the church a couple days ago and uh, we were filming some pieces. And uh, I walked in and, you know, there can only be a handful of us. And they're running one of the cameras is one of our best leaders In our whole church, a man by the name of Keelan, he's a phenomenal man of God. He and his little wife are so amazing. They're They're the real deal Christian. And and he's a business owner. In fact, about a year and a half ago or so, his dream came true, and he was able to start his own business. He had a contract company. He had employees, and he was making money hand over fist, and it's just magnificent. That's to the point. Here's this man who's pretty important and pretty established, and he's not ashamed to come and run a camera for his church to help us. I mean, phenomenal. And as he's standing there and he's running the camera, I kind of, there's a pause moment. So I walk over to him. I said, Keelan, how you doing, man? I've been praying for you. He said, Pastor, I'm doing so good, man. I got a job, a new job. And I said, well, "Whoa, what do you mean you got a new job? So you have your own business. You're a, you're, a, you're a business owner. You have employees. He goes, Pastor, man, when this thing first hit with COVID-19, he said it all dried up. And, uh, and he said, and I just decided I wasn't going to be arrogant. I wasn't going to be prideful. He said, so I applied at another company, a pretty big company. He said, out of 700 applicants, I got the job. He said, and I'm in a position of leadership. And he said, not only that, but I've been able to help some of the people in the church who've lost their jobs get a job at this company. Look at the humility. See, the reason why he can handle disruption is because he, hand, he, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. He went and got, found another job. And man, he told me this. I said, Keelan, but you're not the boss now. I mean, what's that like? He goes, Pastor, let me tell you what. He goes, I am learning things that I need for my business. Oh, I'm going to have my business again. I'm going to have that again. But right now, I am being trained. They are paying me to be trained so that my business one day will go even further than it ever could have went because I didn't have this knowledge. I didn't have this understanding. I'm getting paid, providing for my family in the midst of COVID-19 when other people don't have work. I have work, and I'm able to help other people have work. Look at how God does miracles in us in the midst of a disruptive moment if we'll simply humble ourselves, if we'll simply just let God be God in the midst of it. See, can I let me explain something to you? Disruption has the power to keep you in check away from the things that God has. See, disrupt, disruption also has the power to lead us away from destruction. I learned this years ago that if if you will embrace the moment that kind of shakes you up a little bit, that there's something supernatural happening in the midst of it, that you can learn from it, that you can grow from it. See, what disruption does, it wakes us up out of complacency, and it draws our attention to what really matters. I don't know if you know these little things called rumble strips. Do you know what a rumble strip is? That's that that part of the highway that they have kind of created these concrete bumps, usually in the middle section on, on a highway that's got, you know, traffic going in either direction or sometimes on an interstate, they'll have it over on the shoulder and it's these carved out pieces of the concrete. It's, it's got these dips in it, if you will. And they've done that. They, they call them the, uh, the rumble strips and they're literally grooves on the pavement to alert us that we've started drifting into another lane. I can't tell you how many times those doggone rumble strips have interrupted some really good dreams that I, I was having. I can't tell you how many times they have saved my life, but they disrupted my time of sleep as I'm driving. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Those rumble strips save lives. They are disrupted because once you start, have you ever rode across them? Every now and then I'll, I'll do that just to mess with my, with my kids in the car or my wife because you'll get over on those on those little grooves and start, and start shaking your whole vehicle. No matter how good your vehicle is, uh, it just starts and they're made to do that to disrupt the fact that you've started drifting. Guys we're living in a disruptive moment. I wonder how many of us were drifting. Our hearts were getting a little calloused and now we're, we're being shaken and we have to have faith again. Some of us didn't have to have faith for anything. Our life was perfect. We had our little routine. We had our little schedule. Our little perfect families. Had our little jobs. Went to church when we could. Bishop Jake said it like this one time years ago. He said most of you wouldn't pray if you didn't have hardship. (laughs) It's so true. Most of us wouldn't even seek God if there weren't difficult things happening in our lives. Guys, we are in a disruptive moment. If we'll humble ourselves, we'll cry out to God. The Word of God says He will lift us up. Some of you need to go get a job. Don't sit around waiting. Humble yourself. You say, well, ain't nobody going to pay me what I was was getting paid. Oh, well. Humble yourself. You have no idea what that may lead to. God is doing some things in the midst of this COVID-19. Let's take advantage of it. Let's humble ourselves. Here's the second thing that I would teach you. An action that you should take in the midst of disruption. That is, look for the supernatural amongst the natural. Look for the supernatural amongst the natural. See, if you're homeschooling a child right now, the government's paying for it. And you have a moment to bond with your child in a way that you haven't had. You say, I'm not good at it, I don't like it. This is a supernatural moment. See it in the midst of what you don't enjoy. God can do something supernatural. They didn't even see Him. They were so fearful that they were going to get chased down imprisoned and killed, that they're running off to their house. These two guys are heading out to Emmaus. They're going back home. They're going back to their little country house where nobody knows them. They're taking off because they don't want to get caught in the midst of all this trouble and turmoil. And Jesus stands right in the midst of their fear, their insecurity, their ignorance. They'd gone back and forgotten all that He had taught them. They had given up on the Messiah so the Messiah didn't give up on them. He walked right there in their midst. You may feel like that things aren't working the way you thought they would be. You may be scared that God has abandoned you. I promise you, He is not. He is walking right beside you. But if you get so caught up in the natural, how much toilet paper you do or don't have, you get so caught up on, this is not what I planned for my life. I don't get to do this, and I'm not getting to do this. We had not been able to go sit at a restaurant. Da-da-da-da. You can get so caught up in that, you will miss the supernatural work that God's doing right there in your midst. A couple days ago, I was engaging through text message back and forth with one of of the best pastors on our team. I mean, I love me some Tony Thomas. He's phenomenal. If you've ever been to our church, he's that tall, good-looking African-American man with that big smile, and he always preaches back at me, Come on, Pastor! He loves me so much. We're always texting back and forth how much we love each other. And he started sharing with me. Now, see, Tony, uh, about a year and a half ago, um, he was um, very high up at one of the local dealerships. And uh, one of the managers made lots of money selling cars. And uh, But the problem was, he said he had to work weekends to make that kind of money. And his kids were getting to the age where they really needed their dad around them. And, uh, and, 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 and we needed him to help us, you know, pastor the church. It was a calling on his life. And so Tony decided that he was going to take a different job. Uh, he started selling insurance, I think for State Farm, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, definitely a pay decrease. I mean, a lot less money. But Tony was willing to do it so he could be there for his family and so that he could also be there for, our, for his spiritual family. So Tony took on this job. And, uh, and for the last year, he's been trying to, like those of you that in sales know what I'm talking about, had to build up his clientele. Well, when COVID-19 hit, he didn't have that much clientele, and he's not been writing a lot of policies. He's got a really close partner friend in his company um, that that he really loves this guy. Well, this guy last week decided to go with another company. Kind of broke Tony's heart. He enjoyed working with him. And in the midst of all that, Tony's like, man, I'm not writing any policies. Now my, my best buddy's leaving to another company. And he was a little discouraged. And then all of a sudden, people started calling because that man who had left to another company, he had some things working. And Tony... Had the opportunity to sign those policies and to make more money last week than he had been making before because of what someone else had started see in the midst of difficulty god is trying to do something supernatural if you'll just look for it and here's the third thing that i would teach you and that is maintain your peace in the midst of the disruption maintain your peace keep your peace fight for your peace in verse 36 what does jesus say when he walks in he says peace be with you they're so disruptive ah, ah, ah. they're so stressed peace peace Why? you got to understand. Because peace is the portal that brings the natural and the supernatural together. See, peace is saying that, you know what, God's got it under control. So that takes my natural problem and his supernatural ability, and it brings it into compliance with each other. When you're at peace, you're saying, look, I am not worried. God's got this under control. I don't know how it's going to happen, but he's got me in the palm of his hand. May 3rd, 1980, a 13-year-old girl named Carrie... Lightner of Fair Oaks, California, was walking down a little quiet road on a way to her church carnival that they were having. Meanwhile, up comes a car and swerves out of control, strikes her and kills her. Can you imagine her little mama? She's lost her daughter. Candy, her mother, went into a season of difficulty and struggle because her daughter has been killed by a drunk driver. But Carrie didn't let that disruption to her life. It ripped her heart out. It's the most tragic thing a parent can go through. Just the opposite. She began to work hard at finding a way to make a difference in the world she lived in. And she started this little thing called MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. Maybe you heard of it. She took the tragedy and she found peace with God in it and a desire to help others. And she started something that we all know. You probably didn't know these ladies' names. I didn't before I researched this. Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, from the moment that it was started, now boast, year after year, a 50% decrease in drunk driving accidents and fatalities. This lady took her pain, took her disruption, and she brought something good out of it. She found peace in helping others even though her herself had gone through something very tragic. I don't know all the disruption you're going through right now, but I tell you this, you can have peace in the midst of it.
0: Hey guys, wasn't that a great word today? You know, I'm so thankful that the word isn't limited to a Sunday morning at a certain time or the four walls of the church building, but it can go through whatever time you may be watching this, wherever venue you might be at. The word of God can minister to you no matter where you are. You know, if you're interested in partnering with what Church on the Hill is doing, not only locally, but globally, you see, I really want to invest with that, with Church on the Hill in advancing kingdom business. You can do so by partnering with us by sending a donation to P.O. Box 3815, Cedar Hill, Texas, 75106. Hey, guys, we love you. We look forward to seeing you again.